Hey everybody, welcome to episode 61 of the Snake in the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Vines. You can find me on Twitter at jsnake underscore dff. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about wide receiver and tied in free agent signings. It's actually been an exciting couple of weeks. Also, I know I've been MIA for around a month now, and I do want to apologize to all y'all. School and, you know, the once-in-a-lifetime ice storm that happened in Texas really kicked my butt. But, you know, I'm ready to get on going, getting ready for rookie drafts, as well as talking about general off-season strategy and these free agents. So, thank you all for sticking around, and let's just get right into it. So, in general, there's not, like, too many players that I'd say, like, exponentially increase their value out of these free agent signings at the wide receiver and tight end position. So, just to start it off with wide receivers, we had it to where Allen Robinson was franchise tagged for the Bears, and for me, that didn't really change his value much at all. He does have Nick Foles, which recent thing was the Broncos, maybe interested in him is something I saw. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to see on that one, because then it's like, what, Andy Dalton? show for the Bears, so I'm a, a little bit confused what the Bears are doing exactly. They, he could still be traded, which could then increase his value, but before the signing, he was wide receiver 13, then afterwards, he's wide receiver 14. You may say, well, who jumped in there? Well, recently updated my rankings with rookies added. I'm not going to talk about them at all this time around. The plan is over the next couple weeks to start talking about rookies and where I rank them within my own rankings, as well as to release my individual like rankings for rookies and that'll be going on at dynasty nerds and as well as on my patreon uh so for the next one it's chris godwin who is re-signed with the bucks and he actually stayed right in the same spot wide receiver 10 both ways i actually think this is a good spot for him again he had a pretty pretty decent season last year and he is still a easily top 12 dynasty asset and it's actually really nice that they have both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin again. And also with all of these signings, we started to notice again that making uh, assumptions related to cap room is not the way to go. And that's not how we need to be doing uh, fantasy football as much. It's something that I've done a lot of. And I've noticed that I've been screwed over more often than not trying to make any assumptions about cap room. It's just not worth it at all. So for the next signing, it was Kenny Galladay. He is now on the Giants. Giants actually made some very interesting signings. We'll be talking about John Ross here in a little bit. But uh, Kenny Galladay stayed at wide receiver 21, which technically meant he moved up three spots for me. And with this signing, you may say, well, why didn't you go up any higher? If you look at wide receivers, it's just so stacked in that top end part. And it just makes it so hard to decide who to bump down, who to bump up, and... Um, that will be something I'll be looking into more like every every day for the next week. I'm going to be going through my rankings and making little adjustments here and there because that actually helps me make them as accurate to how I feel versus just, you know, one big update and then it's just you just leave it. That's not something that I typically find is very uh, successful for me. But yeah, with with uh, the signing of Kenny Galladay, I think that this will help the Giants as a whole. It makes Daniel Jones actually... Uh, very interesting quarterback. Now, will the Giants maybe try to go after a quarterback in the draft? I don't really know. They do have the 11th overall pick, so, you know, that's that's an option. I probably wouldn't expect them to go after a quarterback there. But then again, you never know. Maybe they'll trade up. We know a lot less than we think. And that's, like, with a lot of things, too, with these free agencies. It's like, oh, where do we want people to go? That's something I'm not really super big into either because it's like, okay, cool, like, so-and-so went here. Well, I want them to. Well, the odds are they won't like even just remembering last year in the draft, like CD Lamb to the Cowboys was like, Oh no, that sucks. But 
it happened. So I'm not a huge fan of predicting where people are going to go and then basing that for like rankings in the future. I think that that's, you know, the only reason that's going to be useful is if you are doing your rookie draft before the NFL draft, which I don't like doing. I am not a fan of that at all. Same with startups. I'd rather wait to do startups. Well, if you're wanting to add the rookie picks in, I get it. That makes sense. But if you're doing actual rookies, wait until after the draft. Yeah, there's a lot more data points to look at. You don't have people getting unnecessarily lucky or unlucky if that happens. But with, you know, Kenny Galladay signing, John Ross signing, Saquon Barkley coming back, Daniel Jones to me is looking like an interesting quarterback for the 2021 season. He's someone I would not really trade a lot for. I would say his value is late first, early second. But if I'm in a super flex league, I'm really holding that early second over Daniel Jones right now. Uh, the QB landscape is still very ugly, and I've talked about that before on my other podcasts. And for the next signing, Juju Smith-Schuster, re-signing with the Steelers. It was a one-year, $8 million deal, and he went from wide receiver 26 to wide receiver 30. Again, that was more related to the rookies being added into the rankings, but it's just one of those things that it was weird, and people talked about this on Twitter. It was weird to see someone like Kenny Galladay get a three-year or four-year deal while Juju couldn't get anything. And I saw some speculation that, oh, it could be because he wants to, you know, get paid whenever the cap goes back up and he wants to get one more year under his belt. And this signing actually, you know, hurts Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool in that they're not going to be getting the substantial number of targets that people expected with Juju gone. Uh, is it necessarily like bad? I think it can provide more of a floor for these guys just because I do expect the offense to be doing okay. It is going to be interesting to see who the running back ends up being on this team because as of right now, they don't really have anybody in that offense. But, you know, Big Ben coming back for another year, he's a quarterback that if I was a contending team and I needed one, he'd be one I'd be looking to go after because he has the weapons around him to do well. But at the same time, it's going to be interesting to see how this defense runs. And if the defense can, you know, keep doing well and maybe they'll go on a hot streak again in the wins and then get stomped in the playoffs, we'll have to see. But uh, overall, you know, Juju, I think he's going to be decent. And with that wide receiver 30, again, you're like, that's way too low. There's no one you can have in there. But I'd rather have, you know, guys like Tyler Boyd, Sutton, Julio Jones, Chark over, over Juju right now. And in that, that tier, though, he's like, that's his tier for me. So it makes it to where you have to think a little bit more about how you want these players and where they perceived. And I'd say Juju's value, going back to the Steelers, is perceived lower than it actually should be. So he could be an interesting buy candidate, but then again, it all depends on your league mates and where you're at. Uh, next guy, this is a guy that I would say is the biggest riser for me, just based on where I thought he'd be. Nelson Aguilar to the Patriots. He went from wide receiver 89 to wide receiver 61, which that's the biggest jump out of anybody right now. Uh, he signed a two-year $22 million deal, and he actually had a pretty good season with the Raiders as well. So he's someone that if you need, if you want to send like an early third to get Nelson Aguilar to help your depth, I, I think that's a decent option. I will say it is Cam Newton and maybe another quarterback there. I would guess that they would sign, the Patriots would not sign, draft a quarterback. So it's uh, he's one of those interesting guys that's sort of like a floater. Uh, but still, Nelson Aguilar, I think he's a, a decent guy to have on your team now. And you could probably still get him for relatively cheap just because no one's really looking at him as this like world changer. 
Uh, next guy, another guy. This guy did not change much for me at all. Curtis Samuel. It's because I expected him to sign with the team, and I actually did really like the Washington football team signing. Makes this offense even more explosive, exciting. They have Terry McLaurin. They have Gibson and Fitzpatrick, which I'll be talking about on my Patreon podcast uh, tomorrow. But with Curtis Samuel, he went from wide receiver 45 to wide receiver 50. He actually moved up a couple of spots. Again, that was more the rookies adding in that dropped him down. And I'll dig into the rookies later. But with Curtis Samuel... I think he can have a very similar year to last year in how he played. And if even potentially like do better than he did last year, because uh, he will not be like the third guy on the team in, in targets. And he has a quarterback in Fitzpatrick, which I don't know. I don't think he'll start, you know, forever in the sense of like not the whole year, sort of like what happened with the dolphins, but still it's an exciting thing to see, you know, Fitzpatrick be on that team because he can be so explosive because Curtis Samuel he was a wide receiver three in 2020 and was actually the uh wide receiver 25 which is you know high high end literally the top end wide receiver three and he could do it again especially on the Washington football team will be interesting to see what happens though because Washington football team's defense is a lot better but still it's exciting Next guy, Will Fuller, ended up on the Dolphins, went from wide receiver 42 to wide receiver 49, really stayed about the same in my eyes with not including rookies, but he is someone that is, you know, just, he's awesome when he's healthy, but he did only sign a one-year deal. It's not necessarily a bad thing because with the, the Miami Dolphins, that gives them, you know, Parker and then Fuller and maybe someone that they'll draft. So it's a good fit. And I think he can do well. Now, if two is the quarterback, it's not quite as exciting as, you know, Deshaun Watson, which that's Deshaun Watson's a whole nother story right now that I'm not going to get into on this podcast. Uh, he's just uh, just quickly. He's he's a hold right now and it sucks. But, you know, Will Fuller, he is one of those guys that uh, definitely excited for a full healthy season. And well, he was suspended, but, you know, just trying to see him go out and just ball out. Next guy, Corey Davis, wide receiver 46, wide receiver 48, ended up on the Jets. He is a riser for more for me, and you know he signed a three-year deal, 12.5, you know, average average salary a year. Uh, he's joining, you know, Mims. He's also joining on that team for the Jets. They also got Keelan Cole, and um, I think that that type of offense, depending on how they do with the what they're doing with the draft, honestly, because they could, it's still they still have Sam Darnold. They could, you know go build the draft and keep him as a quarterback. They could not. I don't think that really matters for Corey Davis in general. Corey Davis had a great year last year, and he's someone I'd be happy to have, and I think he's going to be a discount guy for a bit. Uh, now, I'm going to go ahead and go through the next, like, four or five just because they are all around the same spot for me. Marvin Jones, Manuel Sanders, Rashad Perryman, John Brown, and A.J. Green. Out of all of those guys, I will say A.J. Green to me is the most interesting being on the Cardinals now. He could potentially be taking the Larry Fitzgerald role, which sucks for people to have, you know, Christian Kirk or, or Andy Isabella or anybody like that on the Cardinals. And with uh, John Brown, I think the signing, it's okay for him. It's nothing special. The Raiders' offense is not as good as the Bills was this last year. Shot Perryman on the Lions, again, not super excited about that in general. Manuel Sanders on the Bills is actually really interesting to me, and he did rise up the rankings a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Cephas on that team. If, if you know, he stays and becomes the wide receiver too, or if it's Emmanuel Sanders doing that. But Emmanuel Sanders is someone that could be a decent buy candidate around rookie draft time for like a third round pick. And with uh, Marvin Jones to the Jags, very, very interesting signing. I think he will still be fantasy relevant, you know, wide receiver three-ish that you can plug in for flex, especially in a start 10, start 11. In general though, 
not super excited. Now this next guy, Kendrick Bourne to the Patriots, he signed a two-year and it was no a three-year, fifteen million dollar deal. So five million a year, pretty pretty decent deal for him. Uh, and with that signing, it could be related to you know some special teams. It could be related to the offense as a whole. Uh, the Patriots, you know, they, they added guys, but they weren't like the top in talent guys that I expect them to go for. Uh, they did. We're going to talk about tight ends in a sec. They did go for those guys, though. They sure freaking did. So Kendrick Bourne, he's someone that I think can be, you know, a serviceable wide receiver again. Honestly, most of the wide receivers in the top, like, 100 are serviceable, and it'll be interesting to see how the rookies step in. And if I don't expect them to be as good as they were this last year, but in general, they can be pretty solid. Uh, next guy, Keelan Cole. He's on the Jets. Talked about him already. Uh, decent, you know, not really super excited. Tyro Williams signed a one-year, $4 million deal with the Lions. Uh, eh, serviceable. He may be on your waiver wire. May add him. I don't know. Not really super excited about that one either. And then actually one that I'm actually pretty decently excited for is John Ross to the Giants. I don't know if this signing is going to help necessarily for fantasy, but for the team as a whole, it makes me more excited about, you know, that offense in general as him being, you know, the field guy, and that's pretty chalk for what most people will say about him. Uh, but still, uh, he's someone that uh, maybe a 2022 third I'd send out for him. But then again, uh, he's probably more the wait and see guy. I don't expect him to be, you know, being able to get a solid target share and to be able to, you know, hold down a solid flex spot on your team. So those are the wide receivers, the main wide receiver signings. Uh, talking about guys that are still unsigned, the main like top five for me are T.Y. Hilton, Tim Patrick, Golden Tate, Antonio Brown, and Sammy Watkins. Again, if you got them on your team, you'll hold them. You can't really do anything. Um, and then, you know, if we're talking still inside tight ends, there's none to really talk about. So let's get into the tight ends that actually did sign. So the first one is Gerald Everett, and he signed with the Seahawks, which I think is a great spot. And I do not expect Russell Wilson to go anywhere. The reports are, you know, Russell Wilson never asked for a trade, and he has a no-trade clause, so I don't think he's going to, you know, end up anywhere at all. But he signed, Gerald Everett signed a one-year $6 million deal. So... With that, I see that as more like a prove-it deal because he didn't do a whole lot this last year. And that offense has used tight ends before. You know, we saw Greg Olson have a couple of good games and then Will Disley the year before that. And he didn't really change a whole lot. He actually stayed the same spot. You know, if we include rookies, he did drop two. That was Pitts and Brevin Jordan. But in general, he stayed the same spot because I did expect him to end up on a team and I do expect him to be the starter. Now, the two tight ends that everybody wants to talk about, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, so I actually like Hunter Henry over Jonu Smith by just one spot. Jonu, or Hunter Henry's my tight end 11. Jonu Smith, my tight end 12. And with these two signings, you know, we saw uh, they both got, you know, about the the same total cost. But at the same time, you know, Hunter Henry ended up with one year less. But I could see Hunter Henry being that more, you know, possession tight end, getting more of the targets and potentially even being a better red zone guy. But then, we don't really know, and we'll have to see what happens because they're making this like the Hernandez and Gronk days. So both tight ends, I think, are solid options. They're not going to be like any of the top three, current three tight ends, or four if you include Hawk in that, with Waller, Kittle, Kelsey. So I will say that makes me a little bit more excited for, you know, whoever the quarterback is for the Patriots, which as of now is Cam Newton. It'll probably end up being a rookie by week four, maybe maybe a little bit later. But in general, you know, I think that these signings are very interesting and will help, you know, create a safety blanket for that quarterback. Uh, next guy, Kyle Rudolph. He didn't really change much at all, but, you know, he did end up 
signing with the New York Giants. So he could be a solid guy if uh, Evan Ingram ends up getting hurt, which he didn't get hurt last year at all, which, you know, Evan Ingram is one of those guys that I think people should be going out and trying to get more often just because he is coming off the Lewis Franck injury. And with that injury, it usually takes about a year to two years to get fully back. So this will be his second, or this will be after one season back from now. So with it, you know, I think that he, Kyle Rudolph could be a decent, like, guy to add off waivers or potentially trade for especially if you're in like a start two tight end league but it's not like a really exciting dude and next guy that i disrespected a ton last year that really showed up pretty well was rob gronkowski he moved up a ton from tight end 37 because i didn't expect him to be coming back to tight end 22 and he signed a one-year deal so nothing too crazy but eight million dollars and I do see him coming on and, you know, being like a solid, you know, high end tight end two, middle end tight end two. I do not think he'll be a low end tight end one. I mean, that's not that hard to do, but he can be a serviceable tight end for you on certain weeks, especially with Tom Brady coming back. And the last tight end I want to talk about is Jared Cook. And I, I, I do think that he can end up, you know, stopping the, the Parham, you know, excitement, which, which sucks to say because I par him on a couple of teams, but. I think Jared Cook will end up being the guy for this year. He signed a one-year, $6 million deal. And in general, he can be you know, a serviceable tight end, especially with Justin Herbert on that team. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch what happens between Cook and Parham. I think Parham, you know, he had some flashes, but uh, Cook is more the known commodity, and there's a reason that he was signed. He's not just signed just to you know sit the bench, and if anything, it'll be more of like a 50-50. So... Uh, with talking more like biggest winners out of this wide receiver tight end group, I'd say Nelson Aguilar, number one. I already talked about why, you know, he, he got that solid contract. He's looking like he'll be the wide receiver one on that team, which it didn't boast bode well for for whoever it was last year. But still, it's he, he already had a good year this previous year with the Raiders. And then the second one, Curtis Samuel. Uh, I, yeah, man, I'm excited for him. He, I actually have him. He's one of my most rostered players right now. And I think that he can have himself another good year and be, you know, pretty sneaky upside guy. And the last one's Jared Cook. I did not think he'd go anywhere where he would be fantasy relevant, but he he did, in my opinion. And I think that he can be a solid tight end option for 2021. Now, biggest losers in general, Allen Robinson. Uh, it's, it's sort of hard to say that, though, because he is still unknown in that it could it could have been a sign and trade thought process. They could just keep him. Uh, with some of the moves the Bears have been making, I think he will end up on a different team. Just not sure if they'll get what they want, so it'll be hard to, you know, know. Uh, second one, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's someone that I thought would get a decent deal and ended up on a team as more that number one, number two option. And now he, you know, is anywhere between the number one and number three option. He did finish the year strong, though. So maybe, you know, Big Ben and him will find their connection again. And we'll all just be like, what are we going to do with these three guys? Just because it'll keep changing. And then the last one for me... Jonu Smith, and this was mainly because I thought he'd be the verified number one guy, which maybe he'll get the targets to be in that that discussion, but I, I still I, I trust Hunter Henry a little bit more than Jonu Smith right now on that team. And the Patriots will be a very, very interesting offense to watch because they're spending money left and right. They actually have had one of the crazier uh, offseasons so far. And the draft will be very telling to see the direction they're wanting to go because they made moves that seem like they're trying to, you know, compete in the division. But, you know, the Bills and Dolphins and Jets have all made moves as well. So I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the Patriots are going to have a rough time unless if they can get a quarterback that can come out of nowhere, you know, because I don't I don't see it being Cam Newton being the guy. So 
that's my thoughts on the wide receiver and the tight end position. Uh, again, thank you for all your support. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this thing of the Draft Podcast. Review this on podcasts. On my Patreon podcast, I'll be talking about how the recent signings affected the QB and running back positions. And that'll be dropping tomorrow, as I've already said. Uh, I do want to thank you all for tuning in. And in general, I'm going to be a lot more active on Twitter as well as on my own podcast and other podcasts starting really today because uh it's been it's been a good break for me it's definitely helped me recharge but i'm excited to start talking about a lot this a lot more digging into rookies more which i've already done some digging into the rookies with other people talking about it but getting more my thoughts on it so definitely excited and i hope this episode was helpful to y'all just sort of getting my thoughts on where i have all these players and in general i'm i'm just excited to talk about everything dynasty offseason strategy rookie draft thought process and you know even after the rookie draft there's still plenty of time to make moves and you you don't need to get super crazy with thinking about what you need what you need what you need think about best player available which is easy to say because it's not always known who that best player is uh but we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about it we're gonna find it and you know thank you all for tuning in let's be snakes this offseason